Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, so we've been in this series on, on prayer. Uh, some of this, just so you know, is the outpouring of something that was happening in and through me over this last year. Uh, just something that in my own time, with the Lord, uh, I was trying to absorb, if you know what I'm saying, and uh, be quiet and take a lot of things in and to reclaim the priority of having a conversational relationship with God. Something that honestly some years ago I had and just busyness, you know what I mean? Just busyness. When you wake up and you're like, well, I gotta make lunches and then I gotta make breakfast, gotta get the kids to school. And then as soon as that's over, like, whoop, gotta get over to the church, you know, because I got somebody coming in. And then before you know, the whole day is absolutely filled up. And those aren't bad things. They really aren't bad things. Those are good things. However, because of kind of the chaotic nature of everything, I was just spending some time at one point and saying, I need to make sure that I have some time parceled out, not just for being in the word, because I need time in the word, because it reveals the mind of God. I just need time with God, just with him, and just talking. And sometimes that's dropping a burden down. Sometimes that's time where I'm just confessing because I need to. I need to get things, the air cleared with the Lord. Uh, sometimes it's other things. I'm asking the Lord, you know, sometimes you have not because you ask not. And so I'm just dropping some things at the feet of the Lord and saying, I want you to know what's on my heart today. I needed to reclaim some things for me. And so this series has actually been an outpouring of what has been happening in me over this last year. Part of this is, and I'm just shooting totally straight, is I think what was true in me is also true in maybe a lot of people. Namely, is that when we are going into a time of prayer, we're not going in with any expectation that God is actually gonna do something. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just, it's just kind of, if not very careful, kind of an empty and hollow form of communication. And prayer is not meant to be like that specifically because of who we're talking to when we're praying, right? Not just that we approach with reverence and awe, but we're also completely caught up in the power of who we're talking to as well. Amen. Craig Keener, you know, maybe you've heard of him, maybe not. He is a professor. He's actually a world-renowned professor of New Testament. And Craig uh, was not always a believer. In fact, a lot of his life, going into his adult life, he was in South Africa. He was an atheist, and he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, when I was an atheist, I didn't believe in miracles. I mean, no surprise there, right? He said, after I was converted through a dramatic encounter with the Holy Spirit, I understood that God did spiritual things. But here's what he said. But I still didn't expect him to do anything visible. How many of you feel like that? Oh, God can do amazing things. I have no expectation that he's gonna do anything though. That's a pretty honest line from a world-class New Testament scholar. What you might like to know is the story of this guy's conversion, though. He's already told you he was an atheist going into his 20s. And by the way, I know him. He, he was one of the, in terms of humility, just one of, one of the most humble guys that you will ever meet. But here, here's the story. What was it that arrested his attention? Around 1960, this is in the Republic of Congo, there was a two-year-old girl named Teresa, and she was bitten by a snake. By the way, she's related to Craig Keener. She cries out for help, but by the time her mother, Antoinette, reached her, Teresa was unresponsive and she had stopped breathing. 
No medical help was available to them in their village, so Antoinette strapped Teresa to her back and ran to a neighboring village. Now, according to, and this is his account of it, Keener's, according to the U.S. National Library of Medicine, brain cells start dying less than five minutes after their oxygen supply is removed, an event called hypoxia. After six minutes, lack of oxygen can cause severe brain damage or even death. Antoinette estimates that given the distance and the terrain, because we are talking Africa, it took about three hours to reach the next village where she could get help. By the time they arrived, her daughter was either dead because she was completely unresponsive or at that point completely brain dead. Antoinette immediately sought out a family friend in that village named Coco. She was uh, in, an, in, an, excuse me, in a neighboring village. And they came, a group came, and they prayed over this lifeless girl and she immediately started breathing again. And by the next day, she was fine. There was no long-term harm to her and there was no brain damage. Craig Keener goes, there I am sitting as a person that doesn't believe in God or the supernatural, but then this happens. And you kind of go, I think I'm gonna change my mind about things. That was how he came to faith in God. As a result, he's not just a New Testament scholar, he recently wrote a book called Miracles Today, The Supernatural Work of God in the Modern World. He wanted to take a look at modern day miracle reports, look into what's happening out there. Do we still see God doing these kinds of things? And there's a story that he shares coming directly from a guy named Thomas Marshall, who is a medical doctor, about a woman named Barbara Comiskey. Here's the way it goes. As Barb became progressively more disabled by multiple sclerosis, uh, she elected to enroll in hospice. Now, this is the story of her doctor. To qualify for this compassionate home nursing program, her life expectancy needed to be less than six months. Her doctor said, I don't think that this was an exaggeration since Barb was confined to her bed. Her body contracted in a permanent fetal position. She had a tracheostomy tube in her neck to provide oxygen because she had been so compromised in her lungs. And a feeding tube was going into her stomach since she could no longer even swallow. Her hands were so permanently flexed that her fingers nearly touched her wrists. That's how bad it had gotten. Here's what he went on to say, her doctor. I had known Barb for over 10 years, but just recently assumed her care from a colleague who was moving out of the area. And it was hard for me to see, uh, for me to see her so debilitated. She couldn't leave her room, so I made periodic house calls, but there was nothing I could do at this point. Her parents were incredibly supportive, as were the members of her church. Her pastor, Bailey, her minister, agreed with my dismal prognosis and when he saw her the week before, told me that he thought that it would be the last time that he ever saw her again. Here's what her doctor went on to say. At this point, I sat down with Barb and her family and explained that it was just a matter of the time before she would die since the next major infection was going to take her. We all agreed not to do any heroics. No no CPR, no further hospitalization. This would only prolong the inevitable. Our meeting ended in a tearful prayer for her. And so June 7th, 1981, a Sunday, was her sister Jan's birthday. Barb was looking forward to the celebration at her home. She tried to help with the birthday preparations, but being out of bed was too exhausting for her, even with her power wheelchair equipped with oxygen to her tracheostomy tube. Her first visitor was her Aunt Ruthie, who read cards and letters written to Barb after her tragic story aired on a local radio station. WMBI. 
Their program asked for prayers and letters for people who were terminally ill. There were so many letters that Aunt Ruthie had trouble carrying the mailbag. It almost, almost every letter included a prayer for Barb to be healed, and the response was just overwhelming. In the early afternoon, two girls came to visit after church. Uh, Barb came weary with all the attention and was, was quiet with all the girls making all the small talk around her. When there was a lull in the conversation, a man's voice spoke in the room from behind Barb. The problem is there was no man in the room. The words were, it was Barb and two, two girls. The words were clear and articulate, speaking directly to her, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And so Barb is looking for where this is coming from and no one's standing there. I don't know what you're going to think about this, she decided to announce to the two other ladies that were in the house, but God just told me to get up and walk. So her friends became very quiet. I probably would too, to be fair. Her friends became very quiet. They didn't know what to think about it. And she said, I know he did. I know it was him. Run and get my family. I want them here with us. And her friends, recognizing the urgency in Barb's voice, bounded to the doorway to yell for her family. And they said, come in, come quickly. So Barb felt compelled to do immediately what she was instructed to do. So she literally got up out of the bed and she removed her oxygen. She was standing on legs that she was not able to stand on for years. Her vision was back. She was no longer short of breath, even without her oxygen. Her contractions and her limbs were gone. She could move her feet and her hands freely. As she walked out of the room, she was first met by her mother, who immediately dropped to her knees and felt Barb's calves. You have muscles again, she said. Her father came running in next, hugged Barb, whisked her off for a waltz around the family room. I'm not sure that's what I'd do, but it's what he did. A distressed occupational therapist tried to start her oxygen again. <laughs> <laughs> but after she realized what was happening, she simply said this to the family. This contradicts everything that I've ever learned in school. And at the request of Barb's mother, everyone moved into the living room to offer prayer. Barb sat down on the couch. She was so excited that she could sit and get up that she went up and down at least 10 times before she could still sit for tearful prayer of thanksgiving with her family. That evening, her pastor Bailey was leading the worship service at their church. Barb was anxious to reveal the miracle to all of her church friends. Wouldn't you be? That's quite a journey. But she was late. <laughs> Whoops. Why? She didn't have any clothes to wear. I was like, that seems about right. All of her, now here's the why though. All of her regular dresses had been given away years ago because her body had contracted so much it just didn't fit her. And so finally a neighbor was able to bring over a dress and some shoes and boom, off they headed to church. And as they arrived at the building, Barb, Barb bounded up the front stairs ahead of her parents. She waited in the back of the church until Pastor Bailey asked if there were any announcements from the congregation. Barb had one. She stepped into the center aisle and as she casually strolled to the front, she could feel her heart just pounding. And Pastor Bailey the first to see her fell against his pulpit and he began just to say over and over again, this is just so nice. This is just so nice. When members of the congregation looked back, a sudden, they were probably taken back too because they had seen her over the years. People literally were going, who's that? Who's that? And one person yells, that's Barb. Look, that's Barb Comiskey. 
I thought she was sick. Everyone started clapping. And then, as if led, he said, by a divine conductor, there was no plan for this. The entire room started to sing the same song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We're talking about prayer. And I started with this statement, maybe too many times. I, I, I pray, in I, Luke, just like we've been talking about, your will be done. I want to start there. And I'll receive whatever you give. And if it's a miracle today, I'll take it. And if it's not, I'll take it. I mean, as upfront with you as I can be. As sick as I was as a kid, there were times that I just prayed, would you please just heal me from this? Or eventually I just said, or take me. The healing wasn't in the cards for me. But I was also on the other side of it saying, but I'll receive it. I mean, I'll receive whatever it is that you have for me. But you still have these moments where you see a glimpse of the power of God in the healing of people. And I want you to hold those stories in mind. I bring those up on the front end so that you can know that's who you're talking to when you pray. Have some expectation that God can actually do something when we reach out to him. I love what Tony Evans said. He said, prayer is the means by which we reach to a heavenly authority for an earthly intervention. We reach to a heavenly authority for an earthly intervention. And this is exactly what Paul did when he wrote this church in Ephesus and he had a prayer that he included for them. It's a very famous one that I wanted to share with you today and see what the Lord wants to teach us. Here's what he says in chapter three, verse 14 of Ephesians. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know that Messiah's love surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God and not a him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen that is quite a prayer for people and it's for us today did you notice in verse 16 and 17, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. We have access to God's resources and power through intimacy with him. That's where it's at. That's where it comes from, is a deep and intimate connection with him. After all, if you're not connected, then the flow of power is simply not available to you. You've got to have connection. Some of you don't have a power problem. Some of you have a connection problem with God. I love it. There's a story that came out of New Zealand and I provided this picture so that you might can see a little bit of it. But uh, in Science Daily, this report came out in 2019 and it was called this, a tree, a tree that should be dead but is still alive, but why? And here's what they said. Within a shrouded New Zealand forest, a tree stump keeps itself alive by holding on to the roots of its neighboring trees exchanging water and resources through the grafted root system. Here's what they said. Though the remnant stump appears dead, a grafting of roots underground connect the part that looks dead to healthy trees. 
And that's exactly the kind of picture that I'm trying to get with you today. It is that kind of connection that gives life to something that otherwise would be dead. So how's your intimacy with God today? What's that looking like? See, some of you have a relationship with God, but you don't have any intimacy or fellowship with God. Let me give you the difference between the two. And it's just an example, and your marriage might be great, so let me just start there. But there are some people, and I'm saying this in a broad stroke, there are some people that are legally married, but they have absolutely no intimacy or fellowship in the relationship. You got a standing with each other. You just don't have any connection with each other. One doesn't mean the other. You getting it yet? And it's the exact same thing that proves to be true when we wonder why it is that we have powerless prayers. And the answer is because you have no connection to the power. It starts there. If the connection isn't there, there's nothing. There's, the power you possess cannot flow through it. Paul says, I pray that you would be strengthened in your inner man. That you would be connected and that you would be established. The Holy Spirit in the inner man is what produces the power for the believer that he indwells. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, he said this. He said, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless. How connected are you to the source? I can't answer that for you. But in a moment of honesty, I'm telling you this morning, it's time to get back and be honest with yourself about it. See, the purpose, Paul tells us, what's the pur purpose in all of this? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the why, to dwell. Did you catch that? To dwell. What does that mean? It means you make yourself at home. I was thinking about it like this. I had some friends some years ago when I was at a and I had a friend, and he would come over to the apartment, and he would like knock on the door, and when I opened the door, he would like walk right in, and he'd walk right in and go right over to the kitchen, just so you know. And he would pop the fridge and he'd be talking and whatnot and he's just pulling everything out, throwing things on a plate and then he'd walk over to the table still talking and he'd just sit at the table and he's sitting there eating my food, <laughs> right? Now why do I give you that example? Is so Hopefully so that I can help make this point that Paul is making to dwell, to make yourself at home. And boy, he felt home when he came over to my place. And I wanted him to feel at home when he came over to my place. What is mine is yours. Enjoy it. Take it. Bottom line, Jesus has to be at home inside of you. The freedom to go into any room in your life that he chooses to go into and to dwell there. Second Peter 1.3 says his divine power. Are you seeing this theme of power in all of this? His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything that you need for godliness and holiness and growing and maturity, you already have. The only question is, is are you going to tap into the resource that you've already got? Intimacy establishes the connection with God that releases the power of God through you. And it has the power to do a lot of things, not just the miracles that I began with Craig Keener, though it's true it has the power for that, but it has the power to break the strongholds in your life too. If you just call them what it is and say, I need your divine power to break this in me, it has the ability. The second thing it gives you, and you saw it in verse 19, is it gives you a growing capacity for more than you already have. 
Notice what Paul said, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. How full is that? Sometimes our capacity just continues to increase. It's almost like air in a balloon. It just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The more that you take in, capacity can change. Did you notice the key here? We have a growing capacity to know more about God as well as experience God when we are rooted in something. And Paul said it is what? Love. That's your roots. That's like the, what should be a dead tree in New Zealand. That is the life source of what flows through it to keep it alive. And love is the same thing that flows through by grace in faith in Jesus through you to expand your capacity, not just for what you already know of God, but to know more. And that means through your experience of him as well. It's one thing to be able to, to quote a chapter and a verse of scripture. It is another thing to have this kind of intimacy with the, the God who scripture speaks about. One is not the same thing as the other. And so we expand our capacity by activating the content of our faith into the flow of our life. It's just who we are. It's what we do. We stay in the word. We pray. We share the word with people. We pray with people. We serve people. All of that expands our capacity and our relationship to know God in a way we have never known God before. And the result of all of this, Paul tells you, the result of intimacy, the growing capacity, the result of that is increased divine power in your life. It's there. There's no longer, so to speak, a block. Some years ago, I was noticing that my garage door would not open when I hit the button. It was not the power. It was the alignment of the lasers for my garage door. All I had to do was to go over and to readjust those so that one was in communication and contact with the other. And then when I went over and I hit the button, the door went up. And I think that maybe sometimes spiritually, we're a lot like that. Is that fair? It's not about the power. The power is there. It is about the alignment that connects us to the power that we already have. And you only get that through a growing intimacy with God. Which is why I love what Paul says in verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is what? He's able. He has the ability now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. He said, amen. That is a doxology. Big word, but basically it is a word of praise to God. This is what a doxology is. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever really been caught up in a moment? Have you ever really been caught up in a moment? It's like something's just happening and something just happened and all of a sudden you're like, Whoa! all right, I'll give you a story because you're all looking at me. <laughs> None of you have been caught up in a moment, apparently. Well, I'll give you one of mine then and you can live through me. It's 2017. Our Houston Astros are playing the Yankees. <laughs> the Yankees have taken the lead I'm sitting over on the third baseline, game six of the American League Championship Series. Are y'all with me yet? Okay. Altuve comes up to the plate and he jacks one over the left field fence. Now I got caught up in a moment, right? The crowd. <sighs> you know, there. Nobody had to say, and on three, let's all cheer. 
One, two, three. No, we are screaming and jumping around. We're hugging people we don't know. You know what I'm talking about? We're all caught up in this moment. It's a moment where you are expressing what has just happened in front of you. That's like a doxology. Are you getting it yet? You're expressing something. It's coming out of you. Nobody, well, maybe Yankee fans, but no Astro fan had to be prompted for anything. Boom, it was just coming out of us. We're walking out of the place. Everybody's singing, Jose, 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 Jose. (laughs) All the way out of the stadium, all the way out of the parking lot, all the way to the car, in the car. Everybody's doing It was just flowing because we were caught up in something that was so amazing to experience. And Paul is saying, it's like that, but just so much better. You get it. You get it. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power at work in us. I read that verse and I thought, I don't know, Paul. I can think a lot of things. I can ask for a lot of things. I'm a pretty creative guy. And Paul's like, you can't hardly think the kinds of things that God can think. This is the key in all this, my friends. The key in all this, whether it was the story of Barb Comiskey at the beginning, or the story of Craig Keener's relative who was brought back. He says, "What what do I do with that? What do I do with that? He gave his life to Jesus. That's what he did with it. The power that works in us. I'm asking you a question this morning. What's your connection? What's your intimacy with God look like today? Some years ago, uh, when I was teaching at A&M, I had a, a lot of student athletes in my classes. I remember my swimmers and divers. Avery was a baby. She was little. Like she was still in the carrier thing, you know? And I remember some of my swimmers and divers there at AM saying, Hey, you know, we've got a meet here at, at the university this, this Friday. Would you, would you be willing to come and watch us? And I was like, Yeah, absolutely. And so I did. So, you know, I put Avery in the carrier and Wendy and I load up and off we go. And we go over and we watch them swimming and diving and everything. And I remember watching them and just thinking, Man, now that looks fun. That looks like a lot of fun. And especially my divers, you know, because they're getting to jump off and do things. And I can't do any of that stuff, just being honest with you. But I had this idea because watching them was pretty impressive. But honestly, watching them wasn't enough for me. Uh, so the next week, Wendy and I went to the rec center at AM uh, so that I too could jump off of diving boards and platforms. <laughs> it just makes sense. So we get there and you know, I start with the one meter springboard and I'm, you know, I'm like bouncing off this thing and jumping into the water and uh, I move my way up to the platform. You know the platforms? Right. So I was like, I'm going to go do that. Now I am an untrained diver, right? But I go up. Now I get to the second plat. So I jumped off the first one and I was like, that was fun. Let's go to the second one. So I go up. There's this guy that is standing up there. And Wendy probably knows, remembers this, but I walk up and he's standing up there. I was like, oh, sorry about that. And he was like, no, no, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. 
He is literate. So the platform is, this guy is standing over here and there's like a rail. And I mean, he is embracing that rail. And I was like, you sure? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right. And so I go to the edge and I look down. I was like, that's quite a drop. And then I was like, you know, and off I went. Boom, and I hit the water, and I was like, I'm gonna do that again. That was fun. So I get out, and I go back up. That dude is still standing there. <laughs> He's still there. Just so you know, I did, from, that, from the second platform run, I jumped five times. I told you it was fun, and it was. Five times. Every time I got back up there, that brother was still up there. <laughs> Every time. So I walked back up, and I just said, okay, have you thought about going down? Because I think, you know, so he goes, what he did is he did, he got down, he went and he kind of got in the pool for a little bit and then he, he came back up. And I said, look, I think if you just jump, you're gonna wanna do it again. And so I, st I stood up there with him for a while and then he finally jumped. He did it, you know, off he went. And uh, then I, I jumped because that's what I was there for, right? And, uh, you know, get out, get out of the pool. And he's kind of, he was waiting for me over there. And he goes, that was amazing. <laughs> I said, I know, you want to go back up? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so off we go. We, you know, we go back up. Now, why am I telling you that, that story? It, it's, it's because of this. Watching my students, that was fun. It really was. Um, because they're really good. I didn't do anything great like they did. Watching them was fun, but there is no substitute for the rush of doing it. Mm, amen. There is not. This is the question that Paul is getting at. How much of God do you want in your life? Mm. Watching won't get you much, to be honest with you. Putting your toe in the water, which is what my, my friend did when he wasn't jumping, he went and he literally put his feet in the water. Uh, that gets you a little bit more and then there are those that decide to jump from the platform, get the rush, and get drenched. I love what Dallas Willard says. It was a prayer of his that you would have a rich life of joy and power, abundant in supernatural results, with a constant, clear vision of never-ending life in God's world before you and of the everlasting significance of your work day by day. I would pray that for you. And Paul is saying, and I would pray that as a result of your intimacy with God in a way that you never saw coming, that you would know, like through your experience, not just through your head, but both through your experience, the depth of his love for you in ways that you never have before. He says, I'm praying that for you couple of things I want to say, say, give before you today, my friends. And here's the first. If you came in here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm, I'm telling you, today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus. Today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus. It, it, it honestly is just a, a matter of, of pure confession, of going before the Lord who's present in this place and saying, I'm asking for, you for your forgiveness. We've all, I mean, we've all misstepped. We know it. There's no mystery there. It's just a matter of the confession of it and humility before a Lord that's like, I'm here, I'm here. This moment is for you. For some, it's being a part of something bigger than yourself, like being a part of a church like this. 
It's important and it matters. Uh, but for others, uh, maybe longtime believers, you're looking at your relationship with God and saying, I've, I mean, I've got that, but unfortunately, when you were talking about marriage, it looks a whole lot more like that. I've got a relationship. I literally have no fellowship or intimacy with God. This morning can be the morning where you say that that stops today. And you can tap back into everything that Paul had just prayed for this church in Ephesus and receive it. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.